Here's the million dollar question. How do men like us reach our full potential and grow into the men we dream of being while taking care of our responsibilities, working, being good husbands, fathers, and still take care of ourselves? That's the question. This podcast will help you with those answers. My name is Brent and welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. My name is Brent and today my special guest is Robert Raymond Rapol. Robert, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Hey, glad to be here, Brent. And we've already been having fun. So I know we're going to have a little bit of fun as we assist your audience. So it's, it's going to be a good day. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Now, Robert, I don't do formal introductions. You're familiar with the show. I know you were doing some research on it. So tell us in your own words, who is Robert, Robert Raymond Rapol? <laughs> How many times can I butcher well, your name? Let's do it. Well, you know, it's all good. And here's the thing. First of all, I'm very blessed in many ways. And one of the ways is that my wife and I, we met when we were 13, started dating when we were 16 and got married when we were 19. And actually in just under a month, we celebrate our 33rd wedding anniversary. Congratulations. Um, please do not do the math on how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> now, currently I am actually, I'm an international bestselling author. I am an app designer, serial entrepreneur. But the thing that I love most and I'm, I'm jazzed most about is that I'm in international traveler as well, where I've been blessed the last 18, 20 years, travel around the world and personally impact lives of over half a million students in trainings anywhere from 100 to 6,000 students at a time, anywhere from wow. three days to five days for each training and up to 12 hours a day on stage. And it's what I love to do. And when I watch the light come on in people's eyes, sometimes for a first time in years, Brent, it just, that lights me up. So that's who I am today. But of course, that was a journey to get to this part. <laughs> Wow. Congratulations on the upcoming anniversary. That is amazing. Thank my, you. My wife and I just celebrated 21 years not long ago. You get to a certain point, you're actually like, hey, we might actually make it. <laughs> and, and that's it. And you think about it, you know, probably one of my favorite um, Facebook posts, because everything on Facebook is true, of course, and is a grandmother sitting in a rocking chair on the front porch with the granddaughter. And the granddaughter goes, Grandma, how is it you and Grandpa have been together for so long? And the grandmother looks at her and says, honey, because in our days, if something was broke, you fixed it. And it's interesting how it seems that people give up too easily. Some Sure, there's some relationships, don't get me wrong, that are just not meant to be business or personal. But there's a lot where people just give up too easy. It's, it's like, next, next, I didn't like the way you chewed your pizza yesterday. Next, you know, and so it's, do we have the willingness, and for my wife and I, uh, we'll be the first to tell you we've had a we have always had a great relationships, but it doesn't come with always just being oh. oh there's yeah. the ups, there's the downs, there's the great, there's the just the good, the bad, the ugly all the way through. But one of our commitments to each other is we don't give up. Uh, maybe one of the biggest blessings, like in my life, is my wife and I both coming from a background where you know marriage was something you st you did, you stayed with, you were sac it was sacred, you worked, you fought for, and I married a woman who was actually just as stubborn, maybe more stubborn than me. <laughs> and that's half the reason we're still married is we're both so stubborn about it. Nope, we're in this. We're, we'll get through it. We'll figure it out. Maybe yeah. We're going to work. We may not be perfect all the time, but, and I'm so blessed that she is. You know that song, The Cowboy and Me? That, that's well, us right there sometimes. I'm going to be the first person to admit, and I have no problem saying this on stages all over the world. And my wife, she actually hates that I do. But I tell people, I would not be here. Like right now, Brent, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for my wife, because one of the most amazing gifts that she gives me is she's not willing to let me play smaller than I am. 
even if that means giving the, me the swift kick in the butt because I'm being stubborn and I'm playing too small. See, with my upbringing, it was you have a family, you do whatever you need to take care of them, mm-hmm. whether you like the job or not. Don't even think being an entrepreneur. Find that job that gives you the most security. There's a cosmic joke for you right there <laughs> and, and, and pays you the most. And that's what I did. That's how I grew up. And, and as kids, we moved around a lot because my parents just did support the family. We were constantly moving. I never spent more than six months to maybe a year in any one school. So constantly having to meet new people and try to make new friends quickly because I didn't know how long I was going to be there. And so I, on one part, they're saying, Robert, you can do whatever you want as long as you, what they modeled was something totally different. And so, of course, it's not with kids. It's don't do what I say, do what I do. And that's what I was automatically doing is going, okay, I got to work hard. I got to, you know, figure it out. I got to, if I hate the job or like the job, you just give a hundred percent, no matter what. And also at 21, I'm being laid off from my third major job and I'm going, what's going on here? And I'm still a newlywed. And, and the only job I could get was delivering pizzas, which back then Brent, I didn't think was a real job. It was like, I'll do this until I find that real job. And also I started making more money than I was making my real job. And I, because of my work ethic, became a manager. My wife became my assistant. We started working seven days a week, open to close. Why? Because that's how we knew what to do. You give it everything. And that's what led us to being able to become franchisees with Domino's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And people may go, oh my goodness, that's awesome. I'd love to be a franchisee. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to ask you, Brent. You realize there's a difference between, say, running a pizza store and running a business. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. Yeah. And we didn't know the difference in the beginning. We're 23, which was the average age of a franchisee for Domino's Pizza at the time. And they love to tout that fact. A, mm-hmm. 96% of the franchisees start as drivers, which I did, because you couldn't just buy a store. You had to qualify by managing one properly. And B, they said, and our average franchisee is 23 years of old age. But what they didn't like to tell people was that the average new franchisee went bankrupt within six months. And we should have, but A, we were too tenacious to quit. And B, our whole philosophy around business was, well, if there's money in the bank, we must be doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works? Come on. No, I, you know, if your audience gets nothing from me today but this, is learn, here was our philosophy. We're new to this. We can't afford an accountant. We'll do it on our own. We're already working 70, 80 plus hours a week because we're open to close seven days a week. Uh, so, of course, we can do the accounting as well. Well, yeah, you're already there. I, yeah. And two years later of not, when all of a sudden the government's going, uh, hello, you're in business. There's this thing called, you know, cash flow reports, book work. We ha- you have to actually send this into the government and pay taxes on it. And we're like, oh, we were forced to get, hire an accountant. And when they finally got strained out, that was their first question. They said, how did you guys make it the last two years without having <laughs> any financials? And we're like, there's still a couple of bucks in the bank. (laughs) Not realizing we weren't taking much money. We were barely getting by. And that's when we turned that business around. But because you have to have the scorecard, you have to know, just like sports. Mm -hmm. You don't know if you're winning or losing if you don't have a scorecard. And we started to turn it around. But the problem was now we were trying to keep up with the Joneses because we started making more money. And that's why at the eight-year mark, all of a sudden we're over $100 and $50,000 in debt personally and going down quickly. So I want your audience to understand the reason I'm sharing this with them is please don't just think because I'm a guest on your show that I've got it all together. 
that I've been just successful all my life. No, I am absolutely a fallible man. Sarah and I started this. So my wife is my full partner in this business. Uh, we're a fully formed LLC, blah, blah, blah. And I, I paid to make sure that got set up correctly. Like I went through a registered agent service to make sure that all the paperwork got done right with the right people. Cause I knew I didn't know that, but one of the things I told her, I was like, okay, I've done our taxes for years. Nope. More businesses get fried on financials in the first couple of years is where they get most of them lose it. Yep. So yep. we are paying for an accountant. We're going to at least do our taxes through the, I can keep track of the books. My wife is a bookkeeper, so she helps with that. But when it comes to the actual ones, I got to show the government. It's like, okay, I yeah. have you guys. Cause I'm not playing that game. Oh, and in a, a great account will save you way more money than they ever cost you. That's the key. If people really get it is this doesn't, they're not costing you money. They'll earn you money by having a great accountant. Was it uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, Kiyosawa, right? Kiyosaki. Always, always a lawyer and an accountant. If you, yeah. you need, have nothing else, you need an attorney and an accountant. Totally agree. Right? Totally agree. Yeah. I learned a lot reading his books. I've read several of them. Oh, yeah. I totally understand why I know nothing about money. I got it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the last time Robert and I were on stage together was in Poland. We had 4,000 students at an event together. Oh, my and, goodness. And, yeah, uh, and all being translated into Polish. So, uh, <laughs> and, and that's when you understand that what we're going through here in North America, it's not different around the world. We all have, I don't care your upbringing, I don't care how what your culture is, any of that, where you're born, we all have the same crap going on in our head that holds us back. And so, mm -hmm. you know, business is is a universal principle for sure. So Robert, as we're digging in here, you had, and my audience knows that we use a website that helps match up guests and podcast hosts. On that website, we all have profiles, right? So people can see yeah. who we are and get an idea. And one of the questions you have on there is why is people, why is it that people can have less knowledge and experience than others, but make more money? And I saw that question I got to ask before we even get into the meat of this episode. <laughs> I got to ask is, trust me, I have been that guy. I, I've been, mm -hmm. you know, working since I was 16 years old. I'm 42. And there have been many times where it's, dude, I know twice as much as he does. I do twice the work. Why is he getting paid more than me? Yeah. And it comes down to, and it's not the education. Let's be clear on that. You're talking to a barely grade 12 graduate right here. What it comes down to is whether you're perceived as the authority or not. Because you can have all the greatest knowledge, and this is like the marketing thing of if someone looked at you as being an authority, they're going to say, oh, they must know more whether you do or not. So the question is, how are you positioning yourself? What are you doing to make yourself seen as an authority? And one of the things I want people to understand, though, Brent, is authority isn't just who or what you're doing. As an example, you host a podcast. So that automatically elevates your authority level. You write a book that automatically elevates there's practical things that you can do for people to go, oh, they must know what they're doing because look, they've got this and this. But it really also comes down to in you, your self-confidence, your self-belief, who are you as the person that as you create the authority that you're actually able to maintain it, hang on to it and grow it. And from traveling all over the world, probably the number one issue, no matter where in the world I am, that everybody has 
and whether you, I think you'll probably agree as well as you've experienced it with people is they battle with low self-esteem. And so you get people that go, I can't be an authority. Sure that I know more than them, but who am I? I'm just this regular guy or gal. No one would listen to me. And it's, so it's having the confidence in yourself to say, you know what? I do have knowledge and not with arrogance, but do it with confidence, if that makes sense. In the YouTube world, we call that uh, imposter syndrome. I yeah, think, I think that's mm -hmm. a fairly common term among speakers and people who actually get out in public space. But in podcasting and YouTube, we specifically call that imposter syndrome most of the time. And yeah, that's yep. I have top of the head, I want to say 94 published episodes of my podcast. I probably recorded 40 more than that. I told which we were talking before the show. I'm booked out. I have my shows mm -hmm. for the winter already set. But every time I turn on the mic, or I tell you I do a live stream on Mondays. Every yeah. time I get, I have a five minute countdown for my live stream. It's got some music and a little countdown timer. And one of my buddies who has a YouTube channel doing marriage work, guest host my show one day. And he was like, man, that's just like a kicking song. You can't help but just get pumped up. I was like, <laughs> after he hosted guest host my show, I'm like, that wasn't an accident, dude. That, that's my, that's okay. That song starts, my brain starts kicking is, that's that psych up song because I, I've spoken in front of a thousand people on a live stage before. It's probably the biggest group I've ever, so, and that was years ago. That didn't bother me, but getting on camera <laughs> to do the live streams where I can't read my audience. Oh, I'm still taking right? that breath going, okay, pull it together, Brent there. Come on, you're in here. Let's do this. And, and I'm going to encourage you too. the day that feeling goes away. Mm -hmm. You might want to check in of whether you're now just comfortable and yeah. why aren't you taking it to another level? Because, hey, anytime I, before I get on stage in front of a new audience, I go through the same butterflies. I go through the same thing. I have a friend who's been a hypnotist professional, done over 10,000 shows around the world. And he still does an hour. No one can be in the room an hour before his show starts because he's got a whole sequence he has to go through to get himself in the space to be present and know that he's ready to serve them. It's not about him. It's about serving them. And so he has it down to where it's an hour. He needs an hour. <laughs> and boy, you don't dare in, interrupt him or else his show goes a little wonky. And so it's honoring that in, in once we discover what it is that allows us to truly be present and be there and really go. And that's where the other part of it comes in. The reason you're as good as you are is because you've done so much. The practice. That's what so many people miss. They go, no, when it's time, I'll be good. No, you won't. You might be good, but you're not going to be spectacular. Mm -hmm. And so are you putting in the practice? Are you doing the work? And you talk about, again, being an authority. People go, how do I get to that level? People go, Robert, how do I do it? When they ask me that question, my response is, if you want to do what I do, you've got to be willing to do what I do behind the scenes. That's not seen. The boring as crap, the unsexy, monotonous work that allows me to be able to be who I am when I'm ready to empower my audience. Got to put in the reps, man. Got to yep. put in the reps. There's no way around it. Robert, what's the biggest audience you've ever spoken in front of? Uh, 6,000 people in Singapore. Okay. Now guys, day training. did you catch that? He has spoken in front of 6,000 people and he still has to work up before the show. So if you get a few butterflies raising your hand at the team meeting, you're not alone. Right. Okay. Robert is a professional speaker and he still 
has to get in the mindset and get ready for the show. So it's okay. That's normal for everybody. Oh. Don't think that's weird. <laughs> now, the deep show question always, what's your favorite ice cream? Oh, so many. See, when I travel the world, I, one of my um, key things is when I'm done on a show, mm -hmm. when I'm done a training, I want I want a nice steak because I only eat white meat while I'm training because I know you know when I'm on stage that long. I want to make sure I have a nice glass of scotch and I want ice cream. And so I love sampling all flavors. So there's no real favorite because I just love ice cream. That's why it's my favorite question. It's the universal thing. I get lactose intolerant people who eat ice cream. Yeah. And, and people are always like, Robert, you got to come to here because we've got the world's best. I'm like, okay, prove it to me. And probably the best I've tasted so far was in Warsaw, Poland. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, dude. I was just, and, and their ice cream balls are like just little things like this, just little ones. And so we're sitting there and, and we finally, it's 11 o'clock at night. We're in down in old town Warsaw and it's my first time in Poland. And so the staff's touring me around because they know I want to buy ice cream. And we find a little shop and they do the cone and they put that one little ball on top. And I'm like, mm -mm. and they're like, what do you mean? You want more? I'm like, and it's not cheap, but the staff's like, whatever you want. I had to stack six balls of ice cream and all different players because I'm like, if you're saying it's the best, I want to savor it. I want to taste it. I want to know. And oh my goodness, because yeah, I'm, I love my ice cream. It's my downfall. I did a piece with Dr. Christian Heim from Australia, from Sydney. And he told me burnt fig and almond, some kind of delicacy by some world-class chef. They have it down in Sydney. It's her specialty thing. Wow. I was like, that's just almond. Yeah, exactly. You just process oh. that thought. So that's an interesting flavor combination. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm willing. I'll try it at least twice. Right? You can't do anything <laughs> once. No, you got to try once, it at least once twice. Once is a shock, right? <laughs> yeah. Once is a shock to the system. You can't actually make clear. I, I always laugh at people. Like, I'll try anything once. No, you got to try everything at least twice. See, I knew you and I had the same. <laughs> you're almost at the same hair style as me, the aerodynamics, mm -hmm. but you still got a little bit. You got the runway going down the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my daughters like it. That's her, that's their thing. I, I have my mohawk. <laughs> then how just, can you go wrong with that? I, I could care less. Like I, I used to shave it. I used to keep mine smooth. But according to some folks, I look menacing when I keep my head shaved. And this makes me more approachable, apparently. We're still trying to figure out who they are, but they say a lot, I've noticed. <laughs> I, I've actually been told by a few different... If it was one source, I, I would have been like... I, I've been told by a few different sources and different age groups. Yeah. You look so much nicer with hair. I was like, thank you? No, not handsome, like nicer. <laughs> you you don't look quite as scary. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> never thought I looked scary. And, okay. And look, if you looked at the pictures of me way back when I used to have a little bit of hair... Mm -hmm. I cringe at those photos. I'm like, what was I thinking? Because my <laughs> wife for years been saying, you don't have much left, just shave it off. And I'm like, I was attached to the little hair I had. And also now I look back at the pictures, I'm like, ooh. I got to be careful though, because I, I got a lot of texture. My, my house head looks like a topographical map. So I have to be really careful shaving it. I actually had to stop for a while. I've, I've had my head stitched close at least 10 times. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So... I, I had to actually stop shaving it for a while. I've got a, have you seen the, they have them on social media, the commercials for Freedom Grooming is a razor made just for your head, like an electric razor. Okay. Okay. And it's, it's the only I, reason I, I can actually shave my head again. 
Oh, wow. Because okay. I have so many scars back here that I, I was adding scars when I was trying to shave my head. I Yeah, I totally understand that. So. Totally understand that. I know, and this is what your podcast is about, which is great, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, how did these guys get on this topic? Hey, we just did. It is what it is. We're, we're it. guys, man. It's, yep. No, actually, I, I try and focus on the first half of the podcast, just really getting to know my guests. Because like I said, I, I can read your accolades off. But that doesn't actually translate to an audience. They need to know who Robert is and get a feel for you before they can really hear what you have to share. Unless they know, you can hear strangers all the time. I hear idiots talk all the time, but give me context of who they are. And yeah. so that's actually really what I try and focus on the first half of my show with. So that's yeah. cool. And if anybody hasn't figured it out yet, I am a goofball. <laughs> you know, I believe there are way too many serious people on this planet and life is too short not to have fun. It really is. So you've got to really get out there and just enjoy and have some fun. It certainly makes the day a whole lot better. What's the right? other option? Yep. yep. Drag through the day. Mm. Yep. Just not exactly. as good. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so Robert, let, let's actually get into a little bit of meat here. You talk about the four phases of life that people are constantly going through. Now, and I noticed that you phrase it as constantly going through. We're not talking like a set life cycle. No. You're talking about a, it. So, it repeats. It repeats. Whether you want to say it's a circle or you're constantly going through it like a wave, the ups and downs. And so when we talk about that, I'm going to say it like this, Brent. I like to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. uh, as I share with people, I'm doing the best I can. I got one brain cell left. I'm doing everything I can to take care of it. And so I love using acronyms because acronyms make it easy for me to remember. And so I use the acronym of OPEN. And now the, the, when I'm talking about the four phases, I also love to give credit where credit's due. Yeah, uh, it wasn't my original research. A friend of mine who I nicknamed years ago, I nicknamed him the Quantum Monk. And the reason I nicknamed him that is because he actually was a monk for eight years. And in that time did over 15,000 hours of med oh, excuse me, meditation. But he also studies quantum physics, so he can tell you all about spirituality and back it up with the science. Brilliant man. And he called it his chaos modules at first. And when I first heard it, I'm like, Dude, Greg, this is amazing. But it wasn't his passion. He just, during his research as a monk and that, he came across it and went, oh, this is interesting. And so he went into the science behind and, and really you know, took it to another level. And so I finally said to him, I said, look, the world needs this. If you're not going to teach it, can I get it out to the world? And he's, please be my guest. And we spent a number of hours on Zoom calls and that where I just dug into it. And by the time we were done over a couple month period, he's, man, you've taken it to another level. And so I've really just been, because I like to bring it into the practical, how does it work? And so I called it the four phases of life and turned it into the acronym of OPEN because when you understand it, it actually allows you to open your life up more. So the first phase, the O stands for observation phase. And in this phase, this is the phase where it's like, what do I really want in my life? Who am I? This is the time where if you're into meditation, this is the time you meditate. This is the time you quiet the mind. You check in with God. What is it that, what is my purpose for being here? Now, to be clear, this is not the time to figure out how am I going to do it? This is not the time of what's going to take, what, how long. It's just, what would I love to accomplish and have? I'm a huge believer, and I don't know about you, Brent, but I'm a huge believer in vision boards. And so this is where I'm creating my vision boards. And again, not the how, just what do I want? And there's two types of wants I've realized for people. There's the ego wants, and then there's the true wants. The ego wants are usually the instant gratifications. What can I have now? 
The true wants are the ones that are the long term, where it just, you know, it resonates with you and they can change. So in the observation phase, you spend the time just asking yourself, what would I love to have in my life, in my business, in my relationships? And then you just, you put it down on paper somewhere, you get it out there. So that's the O for observation. And I don't know if you have any questions on that. No, no, I, uh, okay. we can keep going. Cause I, I have a feeling that it's going to compound as we it go. <laughs> so we're that I'm okay. going to have more questions about that as we get further into it. I'm having a feeling. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to just interrupt me. Cause I can just get talking and talking. So <laughs> I think you and I have that as well in common. You know, just say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guilty. guilty. So the, the P, this is the one that people most miss. And this is why, uh, especially entrepreneurs, this is where they end up sabotaging their life because they don't believe they have time for it or they should do it or it's valuable. And the P stands for the pamper phase. In other words, taking care of you. Because Brent, I'm sure you've heard the saying, you cannot give what you do not have. And so most people get in the phase of just give and they forget to take care of themselves. So in the pamper phase, this is where you do things like you book a vacation or you go on a vacation when you're in this phase. You maybe take time and go get a manicure or a pedicure or a massage. Or maybe if you like reading, maybe you take 30 minutes and sit down and read a book. This is a time where you take for yourself. And now a couple of things for this phase, two words to keep in mind. One is creativity and two is selfishness. So in the pamper phase, it does take creativity to figure out where can I fit in what I want to do to take care of me. So one of the practical tips I give people that you can do right now, I live by the calendar on my phone. And you've heard in when it comes to money, the number one rule of money is pay yourself first. So my question is, if that's true for the rule of money, and isn't our time one of our most precious commodities we have? So why wouldn't you pay yourself first in your time? So before anything else goes on our calendar, my wife and I take our phones, we go into our calendar, and before anything else is put on there, we put in our pamper pieces. Time for each other, time for ourselves, time for family, our health, whatever it is. And so that's where you've got to be willing to feel selfish because people will go, I can't do this. And I'm just going to say from my experience, please trust me. If you don't pamper you, you can't fully be present or pamper other people. And so that's where the creativity comes in. So one of the ways I used to do it for especially time for myself is people would ask me, Robert, when you're flying BC before COVID, <laughs> when you were flying, <laughs> oh, good, you got my joke. Thank you. I appreciate that. When you're flying on average 200,000 miles a year around the world, why were you taking the long flights to other countries instead of just being in Canada and U.S.? One, because I love meeting people in other cultures. But two, it was for selfish and creative reason. See, when I get on a 10-hour, 12-hour, 16-hour flight, the moment I sit in that seat, that's my time. That's Robert's time. I do not connect to the internet, if, even if the plane's got it, and I do not do business. I love watching movies, so I watch movies. I love reading, so I read books. I eat great food and I drink great wine because I know the moment I land in whatever country I'm in, the next three to five days, I'm on stage giving, giving, giving. Because for me, it's all about my audience. So if I can't take care of me, how can I take care of them? So the pamper phase is absolutely crucial and critical. And then that leads into the third phase, which is the E, which stands for 
energy. In other words, get her done phase. This is a time like when you, you probably have days where you're doing podcast after podcast, because maybe that's your day of doing it. And so in the energy phase is when you do the meetings, you do the scheduling, you do the emails, everything that needs to get done in that time. And this is again, why the pamper phase is important because when I'm in an energy phase, Brent, I can go for 18 hours. And now when I'm done, am I tired? Absolutely. But am I burnt out? No. See, because I've been taking care of myself. I know once I'm done an 18 hour day, I'm going to have a great sleep and be ready to go again. So that energy phase, the biggest thing that happens for people and one of the, probably the biggest feedbacks I get, people go, Robert, you don't know my life. I can't take on something else. I can't take on these things you're telling me about because I've got a busy life. I've got a family. I've got a job or a business. You don't know my life. And that's true. I don't. But in my research, what I've discovered is people have become really good at being busy. They're just not necessarily productive. And again, there's a world of differences there. And so the second thing I put on my calendar, because again, I want to make sure you're audience knows some practical things that they can do right now. After we put our pamper pieces on, then the second thing I got put on my calendar is what's called focused time. And depending on what research you go by, it's different for everybody on how long you can truly stay focused before you start getting distracted. I know for me personally, an hour tops before I start getting distracted and other things. So I will actually put on my calendar, you know, maybe because I'm writing my new book right now mm -hmm. from 10 to 11, write book. And in that hour, I come in so focused, no other distractions, that over the years, I've realized that one hour, and, and I want everybody to listen to this, because if you think you don't have time, I'm about to save you time. What I've discovered is one hour of me being productive is actually equal to about six hours of me being busy. I hope you get that. That's because that just freed up time right there. Actually, one of the things that I've been trying to really, the pamper time is something I've been working on. This concept of self-care has been yeah. a big thing for me as I've been growing my business. And I, I definitely was one of those people who was like, uh, I'm already busy. <laughs> my life is so much busier than it used to be. And yet I still manage to make time for things I want to. So I don't amazing? think it's incredibly busy. <laughs> Yeah, comparatively, but other people were like, you're busy. I was like, yeah, but what, what do you want to do? Let's talk. And, and even when I was flying 200,000 miles a year around the world, because I, I didn't pay attention in the beginning when I first became a trainer, mm -hmm. I was training so much. I was only spending, and this is before I even went outside of North America, is I was training so much. I was only at home on average two days a month. Mm. And in 2008, I was so burnt out. And because I hadn't been taking care of myself, I herniated a disc. I went through two back surgeries. I had to take a year off because I was so burnt out. That one year turned into three and a half years off because not only did I go through the back surgeries, but I also became comfortable. Mm -hmm. See, I haven't had to work for money since I retired at the age of 32 originally 20 years ago because I learned how to get my finances working. So I all of a sudden got comfortable and one year turned into two years and I became back into the old negative non-supportive habits that I had before I started growing myself. And all of a sudden it was like, wow, I went from overliving my passion to not living it at all. Bad, both sides. Right. And it was a life-changing event that taught me, Robert, you have to teach again. You have to train. It's your gift because it can be gone in an instant like that. And so knowing I would not put my body through the same thing, when I came out of retirement, 
I said, I'll do 20 trainings a year maximum instead of 40 or 50, wherever in the world I'm being used, because no matter, even if I'm flying overseas all the time, I still take six months a year off. Because Brent, I like my time off. <laughs> I like my time off. And so because of the ups and downs I learned, that was my sweet spot. And so that's why even today I'm busy because I'm at home now. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm loving being at home and I'm busier, but we institute things like freedom days, mm-hmm. a whole day where if we don't want to get out of bed, we don't get out of bed because that's what we chose to do for that day. And it gets put on the calendar. And sometimes it's random. It was like, what do you feel like doing today? Nothing. Let's look at calendar. Yeah, we can do nothing today. And we don't beat ourselves up over it. That's That's about keeping that balance in your life, right? Learning to do that self-care is just not something we're taught to be busy. Like we are just encouraged and taught to multitask and be busy. And that's where we get into that whole busy versus productive. That's the lesson that I've learned in the last couple of years is busy versus productive. But that was one of the things I had to throw in there was I had to learn that it's okay to have some self-care time in there. As mm-hmm. well, that was a hard lesson this last year was learning. Like, nope, I need to take a breather. I need to make sure I'm doing this. I'm neglecting this. So I need to, you know, start getting back doing this. But we're just so encouraged to be busy. Oh, it's, it's culture, right? Because if you're not busy, there must be something wrong. But we're uh, not taught about- the difference between busy and productive. <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. And, and one of the things that probably another thing that holds, especially a lot of entrepreneurs back, or people from being an entrepreneur, they go, yeah, but if I'm successful, that means my family pays the price. I won't be around my family as much or whatever it is. And when you understand the productive versus busy, think of it like this, Brent, I know you've had this where you've been having a conversation with someone and sure you're there with them physically talking to them, but you can tell either they or you, your mind's a thousand miles away on something else. See, and that's what most people, they think then that's about the quantity of time I'm spending with my family and I'm just not having enough. And I'm going to disagree because I've proven it. Your family will take quality time Mm -hmm. over quantity time. Like when I'm with my wife and I'll use this example, I can be on the other side of the world doing a training and I can just come off of 12 hours on stage. I'm tired, Brent. it's, It's midnight. I've got to be back on stage by nine, which means I'm up at by six and it's going to still take me about an hour to wind down. Last thing I want to do is just have a long conversation. But my wife and I have a commitment that we connect every day and we use FaceTime because we can see each other face to face. And even in a five minute conversation of being present, it's amazing how connected you can be. And one of the things that my wife and I do, because we can tell if the other person drifts, hello, mm-hmm. we know each other. Our, your wife knows if you're not there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, mentally. So instead of getting upset at each other, we'll simply say, come back to me. And that's just a little signal to say, Hey, you're somewhere else. Come back to me. And it's hi, I'm here. And in that five minutes of quality does two hours of just being on the phone. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So for the entrepreneurs and the people out there, when you have the pamper pieces in place, you can get busy because you're going to have quality time with your family and your loved ones. So that's very important. Guys, do you hear what he and said then- right there? Present for that five minutes, but 10 minutes. Guys, that, that makes all the difference in the world. Yep, it does. It absolutely does. And then there's the fourth letter, which is N. And Brent, I hope you're okay with this, but N is not the first letter of, <laughs> but I needed to use the word acronym or of open as my acronym. So oh. I had to get creative here. <laughs> so the final phase is what's called the un 
there's a UN unclutter phase, <laughs> unclutter phase. And, you know, this is another name for chaos. And here's what, this is the kicker. Because most people, when chaos comes in their life, they're like frustrated. Why me? They resist it. But if you actually understand that chaos is natural, in fact, it's needed, it's necessary. And the reason is because as human beings, we were created to evolve. Mm -hmm. And it's when we get stuck and we get in our old ways that chaos comes in and gives us a message, nudges us along. And of course, if we don't listen to it, that lesson goes away, Brent. It just, it goes away. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> it comes back, kicks you upside the head with a well, little let me, bit of Let me apologize right now to all of our <laughs> podcast listeners because you can't see the facial expressions. Go over and watch the YouTube video on this one, guys. I'm telling you because there, there is so much that's just being said in the facial expressions that I, I wish I could get across on the audio. But this is going to be a fun one to watch anyway. So... Yeah, I apologize now. There, There's a lot of head nodding and facial expressions in this show today. The nonverbal is so powerful, right? And, and so when you enter the unclutter phase, I'll tell you in a moment why I call it that. But let's say go by chaos. When you come into this phase, this is the time to actually destroy something. This is the phase where you let go of or destroy something that's not working for you. And for some time, for some people, it's a business relationship or a personal relationship. So I will let you know, in this phase, it absolutely takes courage. It absolutely does. And so there's a way you can participate with chaos, believe it or not. And so the reason I call it unclutter is because you can actually volunteer, courageously volunteer to unclutter things in your life that have been building up. So it could be something as simple as going to your closet. What haven't I worn in six months that obviously I'm not wearing it, so I might as well donate it, sell it, get rid of it. And so you create space or going to your refrigerator. Brent, have you ever gone to your fridge and opened up and you're like, oh, something there needs to be <laughs> taken out. I come to my office every couple of weeks and I'll go through it and I'll go through the paperwork. I'll straighten things up because I'm showing the universe that I can actually volunteer for it. So it doesn't have to give me chaos quite as hard. And probably the number one thing that people actually can destroy when they come into the unclutter phase is actually a belief that hasn't been serving them. One that they've been hanging on to. They know it's not true. They know it's not real. But yet it keeps plaguing them and coming up again and again. Things like, I'm not good enough. And the number one proof, like I I say, proof is a cure of all doubt. So when you come into this phase, take that belief that you've had that's not supporting you and prove it to be wrong. Find a way to prove it. So if you've got that belief of, oh, I'm not good enough, get a hold of your friends that really know what you do and appreciate what you do and ask them. A simple question. Why am I good at what I do? Or what is it that you see in me that I'm maybe not seeing? And this is why it's important to have great re- relationships and friendships. You know, I have a, a business partner and a dear friend who one of our agreements is that we're there when we're on a conversation and something's bugging me. I know I can call him and just say, I need to vent. And he becomes a sounding board. He doesn't try to fix it. He doesn't try to say, that's okay. It's all right. You're good. He just listens, lets me just vent when we're done. He'll say, are you done? I'm like, yeah, I'm complete. And then we hang up the phone. No other conversation. Because those are the kind of people I want in my life where there's times I don't need it fixed. I just need to let it out and vent it. Knowing that the other person is not going to take it personally. And they're not going to go, oh my God, what's going on with him? He's crazy. He just went nuts. <laughs> you know? That's, that's because a, we all go through this. That's a great trick with your spouse, by the way. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. 
and you know, you and I could probably, I could share some <laughs> processes that help people, especially when you're in the heat of the moment and you're pissed at say the other person in the relationship, there's things that you can do to, you know, take that energy and, and allow it to fade to where you can actually be productive and come to a solution. So these are the things. So you've got to, going back to my friend, the quantum monk, I love what he says. He says this, he says, instead of being willing to live life courageously, allow life to live you. Because probably the biggest cosmic joke out there is thinking we have any kind of control, right, Brent? Because <laughs> we don't. You have control on, you have choice of how you respond to what's going on in your life. But if you think you're going to control everything that's happening in your life, that's one of the reasons you're going to struggle. And so once you go through the unclutter phase, guess where you go? Right back into the observation phase, which allows you to go, now what? My two favorite words, what's next? I've used those so many times in my life to keep from playing the victim for too long because I still play the victim sometimes. When I also say, okay, what's next? Then also that gives me the clarity to say, where do I want to go? What would I like to achieve? What would I like to do? And I go through the phases again. I'm a deep why person. That, mm. That's my favorite all-time question. I can go for just a vicious depth into the why. Yep. My, my friends hate me for that because... They'll, they'll be like, it, it, I'm going to do that. Why? Because I, no, no, why? No, that's what you're going to do. But why are you going to, so many people have no clue why they're doing the things they are doing. It's unreal. Yeah. Why are we busy? Because I'm busy. But why are you busy? Let's really look at that. Let's answer that question. So what, what's next is a good question. So yeah. where do you find people get stuck in these? Because I'm listening to it. And we can let the N slide on the acronym. It, it works. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I had an acronym once where I like flopped two letters in the middle of a word <laughs> to make it work. So and I, I can't say anything. But where do you see people get stuck in this? Because it, it like some of that is, yeah, I know people who have been in that phase for a very long time. Yeah. And they get stuck thinking they have control of when they go in and out of a phase. It's about learning to identify what your phase you're in so that you can then maximize what to do in that phase. Because there's times when you're thinking you're in the energy phase, but really you are in the pamper phase and you got to be willing to go, okay, I'm walking away. I'm taking a break because obviously I'm, things aren't going right now. And so when you have that awareness to be able to do that, you can now sit there and go, okay, so if I know that I'm actually in the pamper phase, what would be a couple of things I could do right now to really enhance it? Okay, you know what? And one of, for example, one of me, that one of the things I love, on my phone, I have an app and I used a free version of it called Calm, C-A-L-M. And I love the sound of rain. And so I put my earbuds in and I take 20 to 30 minutes. I'll sit down and I'll listen to the sound of rain. It takes about five to 10 minutes for my mind to quiet. But then all of a sudden I get rejuvenated because now that my mind's quiet, I go in such a peaceful place that all of a sudden that's where clarity comes to me as well. And all of a sudden after that 25, 20, 25, 30 minutes, I can take the earbuds out and then I can go again. Because I, I tend to go from that right into a high impact energy phase. But I thought I was in the energy phase already, but I wasn't. And so I have to take the step back, realize, yep, I'm in the pamper phase. What can I do? You know what? I'm going to go for a walk. What else can I do? I'm going to do this. What else can I do? And is when you identify and you do that, it's amazing what you can accomplish. So. I, uh, I hit the motorcycle. That's my 20 minutes of rain. I'm calling on all men right now to stand up 
and stand against this horrific crime. It is estimated that over 300,000 children are being sex trafficked in the United States alone every single day. I want you to get on your social media. I want you to follow savinginnocence.org or fightforme.net. Both of these charities are working to end child trafficking in the United States and abroad. You can donate at www.thefallibleman.com shop and buy our inhuman trafficking merchandise and all proceeds will be given indefinitely to savinginnocence.org. You can also go to www.savinginnocence.org slash donate and donate directly to Saving Innocence. Men, it is time for us to fight and stop this horrible thing known as human trafficking. All right, Robert, I like to ask all my guests, what's the best purchase of $100 or less you made in the last year that's had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, wow. Best purchase that has had the biggest impact on my life. I'm going to say, and this, <laughs> this may sound odd, but I'm going to say it's going to be my wife and I just bought for our brand new puppy, a great little vest that goes on that has saddle bags for her and it has the poopy bags right off the back. So we don't have to worry. <laughs> about it. Fair play. That's what it is for everybody. It's just to find that thing. That's just, you know what? This is, this is the... Like I said, my wife got it, me that freedom grooming thing for it. So I could shave my head again. And it was a little yeah. over a hundred bucks, but oh my goodness, best Christmas present I've had in years. Yeah, I'm no, and, my... and that's it. When you find those little things, and my wife loves marketplace. She's a marketplace guru when it comes to finding great deals. Oh my goodness, I, I tease her about it. Let's also sell stuff on marketplace. <laughs> but I'm always, uh, yeah, I'm like, how much did you get that for? Oh my good, and it's some great stuff. So yeah, always great deals out there. My mother-in-law is like the queen of eBay shopping kind of thing. If I want to get something cheap, I'm like, mom, I, I need to do this. And she's done. Like a day later, I'm like, I didn't need it now. And I need to start looking for it. Like I found four yeah. and I got it from this range to this range, but this one got to drive a little farther. Did you do anything else yesterday or just search for that <laughs> one thing? It's amazing though, because she can find it. Yep. And she'll get you a good price. I am curious, Robert, you talk about four currencies in life. And I think it does play into when, before we started this, I asked you if they really played together and I think it's really going to translate into what we were already talking about. So what are the four currencies in life? Yeah. The first one is what most people think about when you talk about currency and that is money. Mm -hmm. And what I've learned in the research is that everybody has a phase or a level or a zone that they're in where they, if they have too much money or too little money, as long as they're in between, they do fine. And too much money in your life is actually something called affluenza. And what that means is when you have too much money, you're there because you start doing silly things with your money, buying things you really don't need, but more importantly, making investments that without doing your own due diligence and then being shocked that you lost the money. Like, how did that happen? Why did this happen? And then so too much money is called affluenza. Too little money is something called poverty. And when you're, as long as you're in between the zones, your life will flow. And, but when you get near that poverty level, you're stressed out. How am I going to pay the bills? And it brings in a whole bunch of world like that. Everybody's zone is different, Brent. And everybody's zone will change as they change. When my wife and I were young and Domino's Pizza franchisees, our poverty level was around $40,000 a year. If we were right around there or less, boy, were we stressed out beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And our affluenza level was about 100000 a year. It seemed like every time we made a little bit more than that, we started having buying more toys or doing bad investments and losing a lot of money. Now, today, I like my lifestyle, 
you know, and I love how I live. My poverty level is around 200,000 a year and my affluenza is around a million a year. So that it's always changing as you grow, it grows as well. So that's the first currency of life. Second currency is the one that we all have the exact same amount of, and that's the currency of time. I believe your time is one of your most precious commodities. When you have too much time on your hand, it's boredom. When you have too little time on your hand, you're stressed out. And this ties into what we were talking about, where people being productive versus busy. This is where this really ties in. So especially in the energy phase, your time currency is the one that people really wonder about. And I'm going to tell people from my experience, because I've been on all sides of the coin, you can absolutely design and have the life you really want with the quality time you want to have time off. Remember what I said earlier in the interview, when I came out of retirement, my one goal was I still want six months a year off to have time to do with family, whatever I want to do. And how many people would love that kind of lifestyle? It didn't just happen. Yeah. We created it. My wife and I love going like back um, woods country or camping off in, in crown land and getting our quad out and getting side by side out and just going through and being with family. And so we'll take a week and a half doing trips like that. We just love to have our downtime and our animals mean everything to us. So we love having that. And so our time, that's why we utilize the pamper on the calendar first, folks time on the calendar second. And then everything else can be work if I really wanted it to be because we know we're taking care of the other thing. So that's the currency of time. The third currency is the currency of fame. And have you ever noticed, Brent, that when fame, and let's use um, like movie stars and big singers as an example. All of a sudden someone's thrown into the limelight, they get this fame that they've always wanted, and all of a sudden their life gets destroyed because they can't handle it. Whereas someone else can get the exact same kind of fame and they seem to handle it really, really well. So when it comes to the currency of fame, the question is, is who are you in that fame? Can you be true to yourself? And this was a life changer for me years ago when I heard an interview with uh, Jennifer Lopez and the person interviewing her said, Jennifer, you're a powerhouse, you're a singer, a dancer, an actress, you've got all this great stuff going there, but you're all in business, but you also seem to have great family connection and relationships. How is it you can do both? And she said, easy, I'm just me. But when I'm in business, I'm J-Lo. That's my persona. I'm just me, but I'm J-Lo. That's my persona. When I'm at home, I'm just Jennifer. That's it. I'm just Jennifer to my friends and family. And that one hit me right between the eyes, Brent, because I realized when I'm traveling around the world in front of thousands of people on stages, I have assistants that take care of everything. And I get treated like royalty. And it would be easy to go into my ego, but I realized I'm Robert Raymond Realpel. That's my brand when I'm on stage, but I'm still me in that brand. And when I come home, I'm just Robert or Rob. And my wife and I have a running joke. When I come home from a trip overseas, she'll look at me, she'll go, honey, you're home now, no more assistance, go take out the garbage. <laughs> and I love that because it keeps me grounded. Can you imagine sitting around the campfire and I can be with family and I look at one of my brothers and my sister and say, hey, don't you know who I am? I'm Robert Raymond Realtor, go get me a beer. They clue me in very quickly that I'm not all that. <laughs> and so when it comes to the theme, it's about really being true to who you are in that whatever level you've elevated yourself to. Because there's times, like I said, I'm a goofball, Brent. That's who I am. And I bring that to everything I do. When I'm on stage, I'm the exact same way off the stage. So it's not, and this is what, you know, this helped out one of my mentors years ago. He said, Robert, never be afraid 
to meet any of your students somewhere in the world and have to figure out who to be. Because if you're just you the whole way through, then you're good. And I'll tell you, I've met students in the most amazing places. And some of them are shocked. They're like, wow, you are just the same way. And I'm like, yep, yep, I am. So that same is how you handle it. Who are you as a person? And so that's the third currency. And the fourth currency, this one is the one I really work on now. This is the one I put a lot of my focus on. And it's a currency of experience. How are you going through life? Are you existing? Or are you actually truly being present and experiencing your life? All the good, all the bad, all the ugly, all of it. Are you truly experiencing it? Probably the worst thing that could happen for me is on, you know, when my days are done to look back on my life and go, I really do. Versus being able to look back and go, wow, did I ever experience life? And I am so glad I got to live it. See, so when it comes to the experience, everything I do now, when I do masterminds, I love running high and masterminds. But when I do a mastermind, I don't just bring people in and say, hey, let's sit down and match mine. We make it an experience. January 2020, I flew to Florida, had eight of my students meet me there. We hopped on a private jet, flew um, to the Bahamas, spent all day at a beautiful sandals resort, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, masterminding all day long on the beach, making an experience. That night we flew back to Florida and we wrapped up the next day. And I'll tell you, because we had the experience, people went deeper, they connected. The eight people and myself, we're all still friends and we do business together today, two and a half years later, because of that experience. So those are the four currencies of life. Wow. You were talking about fame. I'm far from famous at this point, but I had one of my very first guests. He, we got to the end of the interview and we we're talking afterwards. He's, man, I love this persona. And I'm like, <laughs> And I, so I was talking to my wife afterwards. I'm like, I, I and, and I didn't want to, it was still imposter syndrome. This guy was way above my podcast. I was barely doing podcast podcasting. And I was like, yeah, he made this comment. And at the time I just kind of smiled. I was like, yeah, right. I, I didn't get it at all though. Like I had yeah. to ask my wife. Cause I'm like, I don't understand. She's, she's like, this isn't a persona. She's like, I know that. Yeah. Your look gets a little extreme, dear. Some people think this is. But I had one of my coworkers go out with me one time. We were just hanging out outside of work. And he's like, dude, you, you are the same person at work. You're the same person at home. I was like, mm -hmm. thank you. That's that, yeah, that is the great. goal. That's, that's the goal. Home. This is me. Yeah. yeah. This, and this and knowing the training industry, it, you know, when I, because I've been blessed to train thousands and teach their knowledge and impact people around the world. And my number one rule is that, with them is be whoever you are, be that way on the stage and off. Because I've watched so many people, the big names that you would see on stage and people are like, wow. And then the moment they step off the stage, they turn into someone else. Mm -hmm. And when I started training, my wife started doing logistics and running the big events. And everybody wanted to get to know me and be nice to me because I could help them get on stage and all that. And so we'd be at an event and I'd have a guest speaker up. And as soon as they step off stage, they didn't know who my wife was. But the night I'd go, uh, honey, tell me, how did they treat the staff when they stepped off that stage? And it always blew me away how some people, they just become, they, they seem like Mr. or Mrs. Charismatic. I'm the most caring person in the world. I love everybody. And the moment they step off stage, they turn into real jerks to the staff. And that doesn't work for me. Yeah. That, you know, because my second rule I teach all my um, trainers is I say, I don't care who you are. I don't care how great you are. You can be the most charismatic, dynamic, most famous person in the world, but you'll only be half as effective as you truly can be 
if you don't have a great team behind you that's working, doing the things that people aren't seeing. And so always respect. And I came from the arena of being a full-on volunteer and, and working behind the scenes at events. So I learned and appreciate every aspect of that. And so when people started figuring out who my wife was, then all of a sudden it's, oh, and, it's, and she's now I got your number. Because she can read people like crazy. So I was like, I yeah. Robert, what do you want people to take away from today? I believe probably the greatest gift, and this is my personal belief, friend, people don't have to believe it. But I believe that the greatest gift that anybody can give this planet is to be themselves, whatever that looks like. And so when you're yourself, either people are going to like you for who you are or they're not. And the key to understand is if they like you for who you are, that's awesome. If they don't like you for who you are, that's awesome. Because, and I can only go from my own experience, how much time when I was a full-on people pleaser, how much time, energy, and money I wasted trying to be something else for someone to like me. Wow. When I look back today, I go, how did I ever do that? And so I'm still blown away today by the people attracted to my energy because of who I am instead of who I'm trying to be. And when people like me for who I am, not who they want me to be, it's just more freeing. It's like a weight lifted off their shoulder. So that they can take one thing away. I'd say, be you. Robert, you got the podcast. Now, if you guys are enjoying listening to Robert, he has a podcast too. Success Left a Crew Podcast. Correct. So if you want to dig in. I will tell you, I, I haven't recorded an episode in over three years. And here's the reason, because it was while I was traveling around the world, of the 103 episodes, four of them were interviews. The rest were me just sitting in a hotel going, hey, I was thinking about this, so I thought I'd just verbalize it. <laughs> I did 99 of the episodes that way, five, 10 minutes long. And I still get dozens and dozens of downloads every single week. So I'm truly blessed. And there's a lot of great nuggets there. I just want to be very open and let you know I haven't recorded an episode in over three years. But if you're still getting downloads three years later, you, you were doing something. So you, you might consider <laughs> revisiting that some of your downtime. I know you have tons of downtime. <laughs> that I like. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, what is next for you? Oh, I'm in the currently in the middle of writing my next book, my second book, which is called The Authority Key. And, and you guys got to experience parts of that, which is the four phases and the four currencies. So I'm loving that. And I'm now doing one-on-one coaching and mentoring, which I never did before because I was always traveling. And then when I was home, so I'm enjoying being able to help people tap into their path and really see how they can serve others with and how the world's been waiting for them to show up. So I do some one-on-one coaching, one-on-one mentoring, and just love life being around family law. Okay. Now, robertreopold.com. Is this the best place to find you? Yeah, because if they go, and it's just simply my name, robertreopold.com. Now, that one there, that's my success left a clue about oh. my book, but that's my first book. So just do the robertreopel.com and it won't actually bring up this page. What it'll do is it'll allow people to download the full digital copy of my international best-selling book, Success Left a Clue. That will be our gift to Brentford. We're talking about time being our most precious commodity. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you took your precious time to interview me, I so feel blessed and appreciate you for that. And then the fact that you have listeners that have taken their valuable time to listen to this crazy aerodynamic dude rattling on. I love that as well. So as our gift to them, if they go to just robertreopel.com, there you go. They're going to be able to download the book as our gift to them. And it's a full book, but I will tell you this. It does come with a caveat though, Brent. It does. 
I didn't write the book for people to put on the shelf and make it shelf help. That's not why I wrote the book. <laughs> and so, oh good, you got that joke too. I've never um, heard that. That's so, great. <laughs> I wrote the book and step three of the six steps in the book is you have to take action. And people are creatures of habit. So I actually wrote the book as a workbook. It's got action steps all the way through. And being the crazy person I am, I even say things like, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back, do the action, and then continue reading. Because I know people are creatures of habit. And I'm going to make a promise and a guarantee. If they download the book, read the book, and do the action steps, their life is going to go to another level. And then because I am in my phase, give back phase as well, they're also, once they download the book, they're going to be able to actually book in a 20-minute strategy session, one-on-one with me, not with anybody else. And I don't do any selling on it. It's just they fill out a questionnaire before they get on the call with me, once they schedule their time. And then I get to laser focus in for 20 minutes and say, hey, you're stuck here. This is an obstacle. Here's what I suggest. Get, do this and this to get through it. And I'm able to really, in 20 minutes, um, deliver a ton of value to them. So that's one of the things I'm doing if people want to come find me. Guys, Robert goes all over the world training people. And he's offering you 20 minutes of his time, which in his world is a huge thing. You guys talk about busy. I know I talk about being busy. Try traveling around the world speaking all the time. Okay. He shared the stage with some other huge names besides himself and is invested in helping people. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on my show. So guys, don't miss this opportunity. We'll have links for that in the show notes. We'll have links for that in the description on the YouTube video. Guys, this is one you need to take advantage of. Okay. You guys know I'm a huge book advocate. Read, and he is offering you a incredible book for free plus his time don't pass on the opportunity (laughs) dig into this and as always be better tomorrow because what you do today we'll see you on the next one this has been the fallible man podcast your home for everything man husband and father be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.